Hello, and welcome to episode 221 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a review of Rorschach 9 by DC Comics. The creative team on Rorschach is Tom King, writer, Jorge Fornes on art, Dave Stewart on colors, and Clayton Clowes on letters. This is your spoiler alert for Rorschach's 1 through 9, the HBO series from 2019, and the series from 1986. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. And also joining us is Jonathan Thompson, the writer of Tales of the Dead Astronaut, Burn Residue, and Game A Game of Doubles, now on Kickstarter. Jonathan, thanks so much for coming back and joining us. For, for anybody who hasn't heard you on the previous episode, can you give us a quick bio about yourself and then maybe an uh, uh, elevator pitch for, for Burn Residue? I'm sorry, the, the elevator pitch would be for a Game of, uh, a game of Doubles. Yeah, I, I have to say this is the first time that you've nailed everything oh, perfectly. Thanks. <laughs> it's only taken me two hundred. You would, yeah, two hundred episodes. Yeah. Well, I feel, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so so I ha- so a game of doubles is a fun little twenty-four page or forty-eight page book, depending on which way you back it. It's a black and white comic about. <clears throat> Jackson Teach, who used to be a all-star tennis pro, and his life kind of fell apart 18 years ago after a game that ended his career. Then now it's his 50th birthday, and he is sharing it with his twin brother, Franklin. He watches Franklin go into a bathroom, and inside Jackson's pocket is two vials, one of cocaine, one of rat poison. And he follows his brother in, and there's a some double crosses going on, some stolen identities, and that's why we have a 48-page version, which gives you alternate endings. Very and cool. I would say, in, in, in a lot of ways, it's not just an alternate ending, it's a point of view. You know, there's a Jackson point of view and a Franklin point of view. The dialogues are changing, you're really seeing it through their eyes. The Rashomon of doubles. Mm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And yeah. funny enough, I have an idea for a sequel. Hey, awesome, <laughs> awesome! Would it be called a double of doubles or a double double? I was going to call it double take, but it's really just a game of doubles all overall. Ah, I like yeah. it. I like it. Which is interesting because uh, in each version, only one brother makes it out alive. So I wonder how I would do a sequel. I know, but, but <laughs> just throwing it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm excited to get this. I, I'm. I have a PDF version of it. Spoiler alert to everyone listening, because you're yes, you're a good they both you're, do. you're a good podcast guest. But I am excited <laughs> to read that. I am also excited to read just it in print because I'm pretty sure I backed it at both yeah. where I get both endings. So I'm really excited yeah. to read that. Um, yeah, um, I'll say my favorite version of the tears is the is the 48 page version because the way. The way we're going to print it is we're going to print it like a double-sided flip book. So you read it one way and then you turn around, flip it over and read it the other way. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite version. I think it's really cool. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Uh, the, um, the artist you're working with on that one, ha- how did you meet him? Oh, the artist is Ryan Tavares. I met him just through Instagram you know, I, I saw his work. We kind of just started mutually liking each other's stuff, followed each other. And then I always wanted to work with him. And this kind of came together that way. Funny part is 
the comic that drew me to Ryan was a like Conan the Barbarian-esque story. So it's so different than what I asked him to do here. And he loved Burn Residue. And he was like, I'm in. I sent him the script and he's like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny because one of the things we talked a lot about was the, um, so it's a black and white comic. And he started to kind of like digitally layer things. And I, when we first started getting the pages together and I immediately told him, I was like, strip all that away, just do ink, just pen and, you know, pencil, ink, add some Zipatone for the flashbacks, just keep it raw. And that's what he did and he trusted his instincts and it's, it looks beautiful. That's awesome. So, so when you were sort of coming up with the story, um, was it a thing where you came up with sort of twins, stolen identity, and then all the tennis pieces sort of fell in part or in place, and you could use sort of like these sort of, you know, a game of doubles. You can play with words there. Like, which was it first, uh, a stolen identity or a tennis story? Um, it was a fancy bathroom. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 this is an idea that's been sitting in my notebook for a long time that I've thought about a lot. And it, it just happened like, you know, going to parties that were at these like country clubs and stuff. And you would, you know, you'd end up in a bathroom and be like, oh, this is the perfect setting for something. <laughs> and then I started to think about like, oh, what kind of mischief could someone get into here? And then I thought about the, uh, the stolen identity part. And that's obviously when I went into the twins. And then from there, I kind of molded it with my love for Hitchcock and Hitchcock loves tennis especially like strangers in a train. So like I kind of, they all kind of like mesh together. I just like that idea. And then when I was doing research, I watched In the Realm of Perfection, a documentary about John McEnroe. And then it was just like, this is everything I need. I got it all together and I was like, ready to go. And Noah has a little bit of uh, promo art in this book, right? He is a uh, Legends of Tennis, yeah. like almost like a player's card yeah, for, yeah. for Jackson. Uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna make a card, a player's card that all physical backers will get. It looks awesome. Yeah, we have, we have some great pinups, but that's like my favorite little feature that people are gonna get. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was honored to be asked to do that, and then um, I, I was really excited to work with um my friend Kevin, who's the did the designs for that card and everything yeah. he's the one who did it up and he's he's going to do the back of the card yeah we got to do that too. next yeah yeah it, it looks great it's it's awesome thanks yeah i'm, I'm uh, i forgot like it, it's sort of funny like in that moment matt reminded me i was like oh yeah that's right i did that because <laughs> i did. was just like I, I did it in the midst of doing dino thrasher stuff and i was like i was yeah. like oh that's right i forgot <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, I, I, I keep yeah. no, I keep no a chain to the uh, the drawing table, drawing uh, comics. As you there. should, as yeah. you should. Uh, yeah. I, I had to say, I just, I just bought like a bunch of your guys' stuff on uh, Gumroad. Is that where it is? Yeah, I didn't even realize you guys had it up there. I didn't either. For I anyone listening, man, someone had to know. Yeah, I yeah, surprise everyone. Yeah, I um. I what I put up a uh, I put up a spread from from Orax. The, we did a Lovecraftian yeah. book. It's sort of That's like I, I did. I grabbed all of them. They look great. Yeah, those are those are going in the mail soon. Also, what you're going to get, um, and we'll probably get into a list a little bit, is you have a uh, a signed copy of of Rorschach coming your way as as well. 
Oh wow, guys! Yeah. That's exciting to hear. Yeah, yeah, we got. Some, I got some. Thanks. I got some. I I got I got news straight from the horse's mouth for this episode. Yeah, we oh, have. That's yeah. awesome. We have, that's we have awesome. Special because, insider. Because my news hasn't come through yet. <laughs> I, my insider hasn't responded to my email yet. Yeah, I no, hear it's you, coming. <laughs> you gotta you gotta go to your comic shop some night. Walk in just to pick up your books and then see like hundreds of people in there and be like, "What the hell?" And then What's look to the left and then be like, "Oh, Tom King's here." And then be like, well, I guess I'm getting in line. That's what my was like. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I heard from I heard from him that he's really appreciative of us nerds dissecting this book. Like he said that. That's cool. He said that that meant a lot to him because he really wrote this book for uh, for people to dissect and really think about. And um, it's. Yeah, we keep saying it's a great book. It it's is. my favorite of what he's put out so far. Mine too. And he said it's a it was a real labor of love for him. Like this book means yeah. a lot. Um, and and then he, we finished off just our short little interaction with. Um, uh, I was. He said he was so happy because I got both of you guys signed copies of the Frank Miller issue, and he said that he's like, I'm really glad you you got the Frank Miller issue signed, and I was like, Did you talk to him? And ah. and Tom King said many times. He said all the time. Oh, that's awesome. And that's I'm awesome. like, oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> kind of thing. Like that's just to awesome. know that Frank Miller's like approved. You know. So <laughs> is it? Are, are those his eyes? That's why I didn't ask. Well, because I'm waiting for you to get those answers. That answer. I have Jonathan. that. I have that question out there. Yeah. The, yeah. Mr. Fornes is a very busy man. Uh, what's his problem? He's not answering our questions. Yeah, so, promises they're coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jonathan- I, I, yeah, I was just gonna say I absolutely love the covers. The covers yeah. are just—they're—they're they're a masterclass in itself on how to make covers for a comic. Yeah. So the last time you were on, you were on for seven, which is sort of the the Frank Miller reveal, the the mask coming off. Yeah. But since then. Uh, eight came out, which is the one that could be read in, in different ways. What were your thoughts on eight? Sort of the the sort of the three levels of the page design, and you could read it sort of traditionally, or sort of read it in a, in a different order. What were your thoughts there? I mean, I loved it. I I, I love the experimentation going on, um, but also how well it all comes together. You know, I I talk about this a lot, but Tom King said that he wrote everything in three months he wrote all 12 issues you know he sat down and did everything at once as opposed to writing them month to month and it really shows the the craft of it really shows yeah i, I agree it, there's so many sort of uh chances that they, that they took you know um with yeah. this and then it, it's certainly you know it's different ways of telling it and i think the the three-way storyline where um, I read it sort of uh, traditionally, you know, top to bottom, left okay. to right. And then when Noah and I got to the end, Noah explained sort of the breakdown when you get to the last page and it shows you like, Noah, you can talk about this a little bit more, but like you can tell by like the colors of the cups that he's pulling out of the, uh, the water uh, cooler is, is the sort of the, the, uh, the sequence of things. So then I think Noah after that went back and read it, um, you know, sort of in chronological order isn't that right yeah you can do that and it's really fun um it's definitely cool to have 
two ways of reading it and both ways are right. Like you can read one yeah. and read it one way and it's like one side of it's like it's the it's the right way to tell the story. You read it the other way, it's the right way to, it's the right way to tell the story. Yeah. So it's kind of like but like it's not something where it's like oh you definitely if you read it this way like some secret code is unlocked or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It just forces you to reread it, which is great. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like cuz it's there is a lot of detail in the book that you will miss if you don't read it again. So you do pick up on more of the detail in the dialogue and in the image and the art um, if you read it again. So, and, and things start to have more meaning if you read it through twice. So yeah. I'm kind of, kind of guessing that might be something similar for you with Game of Doubles as well, where it's like- It's funny, yeah. yeah. There's no one way, there's no one right way of reading the mm -hmm. book. Yeah. There's, no, there's no true ending or version which is fun you know that's something that comics are kind of unique to uh, you know uh, but it's it's that craft it's that craft going on and that's really what i appreciate to see i i think when you some writers that are really great just don't do well on a very rapid monthly kind of schedule you know especially when you're writing something like padman you, you got to be cranking out. It's almost two issues a month. It's it's close to bi-weekly. That's tough. You know, I, controversially, I thought the beginning of James Tinian's run wasn't really that great. I thought that Joker War stuff was just nonsense. But now that he had that future state break, his oh, that's, Batman is like the best book out there. Wow. And I think that, yeah, I really, I really think it's so much better than it was before that. And I see that with what Tom King is doing. I really like that he is not on a monthly book in that sense, not on like a high IP book. It's, you know, he's doing Rorschach and he's doing Strange Adventures and he's got Supergirl now and they're just their own thing at their own pace. Yeah, and at the same time, it's like, it's what's sort of funny is that like this book not being like the big intro of like the reintroduction of a Watchmen into the DC universe or something like that meeting its deadlines, mm -hmm. which is pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, and then some, mm -hmm. like it, it's, it's sort of great to have a book like this to be like, you know, staying on pace. Yeah. It's a funny juxtaposition to Doomsday Clock. Definitely. You picked up what I was talking about. Great. <laughs> yeah, I knew exactly what you were talking yeah. about. <laughs> I had the DC app for a bit. I was able to read them without paying for them. Oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go the monthly way. I knew <laughs> of it. Yeah, it's it's one of the books that I look forward to the most the week it comes out. Same. You know, craft is the word for it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think yeah. this this uh, issue's just as got as good of craft as as any of the other ones do, really. Yeah, it's it's also funny because I've heard him talk a lot about uh, just the noir influences, mm -hmm. and it's also funny because he's kind of like a newbie to noir at his age, which is really funny. Um, there's, I mean, the female character, the cowgirl, she's modeled off of a character in the movie Gun Crazy, and there's a lot of similarities there, which are funny. But it's yeah. yeah, it's just really well put together. Gun crazy. I'm gonna have to look that up now, because I oh, gun crazy is a it's a hell of a movie. Okay, it's, it's a hell of a movie. Because one thing I, I think about with his other sort of like mystery noir stuff, 
uh, like one of the letdowns of Sheriff of Babylon is I feel like that book was cut short in order for him to do Batman. So you get mm-hmm. this cool like buildup of a mystery for the first six issues, maybe even seven issues, yeah. maybe eight issues. I can't remember. But like, he, like he's building up to this like huge reveal. And then like the last two issues or maybe even three issues are just a guy sitting down and explaining to the investigator everything that happened. Yeah. And I feel like this book feels like it's delivering better on the mystery than, than that book was where it's like uh, yeah. things are being revealed as it goes along and it's yeah. And, and one more preamble before we get into nine, it was funny when we talked back on seven, we talked about how like it felt very much like Tom King working out a lot of his kind of personal issues when it comes to his writing, where it was very much about like not, you know, the whole juxtaposition of, oh, I wrote dark things because I thought that was the best stuff. And then I realized, oh, the lightness was where it needed to be. And I thought he was working through something and it was confirmed when I read that Superman, Supergirl book. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's so much lighter it's so much more fun and it seems like a very strong direction for him to head in. That's a good point because I thought about, I I read it over the weekend and I was like, this is a very light book in comparison to what we've been reading. It's Um, like a fairy tale, the way it's presented, uh, you know, very different than what I'm used to seeing him do. Yeah. Even with the dog being shot by an arrow and stuff like that and everything in that book. But like, I think with that, you know, that like Supergirl's coming back from it, like Crypto's going to come back too. So like, there's still, I wasn't like too down. That's like, to use that as a point, the violence, it didn't feel as consequential as like the violence in this book or as in Strange Adventures. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's dive into nine here. This is, uh, you know, continuing our investigation our, our detective is uh, at the compound where the, uh, you know, the target practice was taking place. And a lot of this book is sort of, uh, I feel like is divided in halves. It's uh, a lot of times, you know, we're putting the detective in the same position as Meyerson, you know, looking at uh, either the, you know, the remnants of what was, was left over. And then we splice that in with Meyerson and the, and the kid talking. Um, so Noah, what are your thoughts about here where we sort of, Uh, divide this book up in almost in halves i like it because it's this cool merging happening right here where it's like it starts off like we've seen in previous issues where it's just the detective putting pieces together with their conversations you know in this place and eventually at one point myerson and the detective switch places and now it's no longer the detective imagining a conversation between rorschach and and laura that's her name right is is it laura or is it um no i believe uh, that's right yeah it's no longer that it's the detective having a conversation with laura further going into him basically now inhabiting slowly inhabiting rorschach's mentality and that's that was brilliant so we see this transition into sort of like as the detective gets a grander like a grander idea of what's happening in the story he's getting a grander idea of how Rorschach's mind worked at that time and maybe how it works so really love that and I love that yeah you pointed it out that's how that's sort of what's happening visually as well 
So Jonathan, your thoughts as somebody who's writing a book where somebody might be taking somebody else's identity and, and, and switching place with, with them in, in, the, in the game of doubles, uh, what are your thoughts on sort of the way this book is sort of divided in halves? And then as Noah said, we sort of get this transition where uh, the conversation switches and the detective is talking to, to the kid, Laura. Oh, sorry, I cut off. I got frozen there for a second. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're talking. Oh, we lost him a little bit. Well, just uh, so um, no, let's just sort of vamp here for a little bit, I guess. Okay, that's fine. Um, well, we can, yeah. Um, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about how this is sort of the descent and the madness. Do you feel like that's a little bit more of this uh, uh, continuing? Yeah, and I also think it's a continuation of that repeated visual of him walking and Rorschach and Laura following, especially at the beginning of this book, mm -hmm. we see a lot of him like walking in Rorschach's footsteps, you know, and then like that, like literally transitions him into being Rorschach in the story, which I, I really liked that. I'm back. Oh, okay, he's back. Cool. Oh, sorry so, guys. I was just finishing up my, my thought. You're okay. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll go back to you. So, so it's sort of like we were talking about where it's sort of the, the, the economy of uh, the detective sort of being in the same position as, as Meyerson with the Rorschach mask on for a while. And the pages are almost divided up in halves. And a lot of times he's standing in the same location as Meyerson. But then as Noah said, as we sort of get through the book, the, you know, we have flashbacks of the kid and Meyerson talking, but then sort of as we get halfway through, it's the detective sort of having this uh, conversation with, with the kids. So what are your thoughts on sort of how we divide the books in halves and then we make that transition? Learning is a really unique aspect that we've kind of seen throughout the book. And this one really works. And then when it transitions to the present with the detective, it's the, the bright orangey yellow. Is he cutting out for you too, Matt? Yeah, I'm gonna- Three pages in? That's when it transitions to feeling more in it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, um, I agree a little bit. We, we had a little bit of connectivity issues there for, for a bit, but um, Noah- yeah, um, not a problem. Uh, so, Noah, um, what are your thoughts about like, as the detective sort of is putting more pieces together, we also get more of the, uh, this possible Redford angle uh, going on. What, you know, we, we've, we've thought a lot about like Turley through this, but this is sort of making us have some doubts as to, to Redford here. So what do you think about that switch? I think it's great that the conversation starts at the comedian like it's sort of like a weird interesting like they they discuss the comedian in this book and you sort of about like how his philosophy sort of agrees with theirs like where they oh no not not agrees with theirs but like the dichotomy of the comedian's philosophy versus Rorschach and Laura's philosophy right where the comedian sort of saw the joke and everything right you know like he sort of saw how everything was going on and he just saw it as all as meaningless but like they see everything that's going on and see meaning in it right um, at least that's that's sort of how I how I saw it, but it's sort of interesting that they bring up the comedian and sort of what at the end, you can sort of 
draw the conclusion of Redford possibly being involved in the assassination plot as either being a, a joke, right? You know, that kind of thing where it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, the crazy, insane politician was right all along that this is a grand conspiracy plot on Redford's part. Or you can see it as there is meaning in the sense that there is a grander conspiracy now and the detective needs to stop it, right? So yeah. I, I like that discussion early on about like the comedian um, setting sort of the tone and sort of giving the reader a two different perspectives on how you can view the end possibility that the crazy right alt-right wing uh, paranoid, you know, presidential candidate may actually have been right all along, you know, that um, I thought that was brilliant. Um, but what, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, now that I have connection, I'll, I'll say I agree with everything you say and that it really, I think that's kind of where the series is going, especially because there seems to be, especially with the covers down the road, there does seem to be a blending of our detective investigator and the Rorschach himself. You know, it even goes back to, I think, issue, it's the issue with Turley when he leaves the bar and the the cowgirl and Meyerson are laughing yeah. at him. And I really think that you're onto something there where he, even in the issue previous, in issue eight with the sideways things, where he's kind of being activated by these stories. I think that's kind of another thing where when the series started, people were like, oh, this is a bland character. I don't get this character. You know, how are we supposed to relate to this just kind of personality absent detective? And it reminded me a lot of Citizen Kane because mm. Citizen Kane uses that narrative device where the lead investigator, Thompson, ironically, is uh, he's a non-character. He's just there to bear witness. And I think that's something that Tom, Tom King is definitely utilizing that idea and kind of flipping it on its head because i think that this detective is going to become very active soon yeah and, and especially with the themes of possession running mm -hmm. so th like you know running through i think from the beginning the themes of possession have sort of been there you know of something yeah. inhabiting like uh from like because one thing they haven't gone back to is why myerson has the same dna as kovacs right mm -hmm. so there's that from the beginning, there's been this theme of possession. And so we, we like, there's this inevitability that comes with like noir and you're, you're, I, I like, you know, if you've listened to like yeah. David Fincher, like that's sort of where the idea, like he, he sort of talked about this a lot with like how he constructs sort of like his noir, like neo-noir stuff is sort of this sense of inevitability, you know, yeah. that this, this story is inevitably going to arrive at the possession of this detective by Rorschach, right? You know, yeah. and that him being an empty husk makes him prime for possession, right? Yeah. Of these ideas. Kind, kind of in a way like uh, the girl Laura was for her father yeah. and how Meyerson was as a human being. Yeah. You know, I think there, it, it takes what I, I hate Watchmen adjacent stuff because it's never that good. But this is one where it's like, it just, it feels right in a comic book sense. And then in a sense of just like, there is a natural story progression that you could follow there. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because it's like, you're bringing up how like 
this detective is sort of like Citizen Kane, right? Where it's like, you know, you, you, you yeah. have like Thompson and Citizen Kane where it's sort of the blank husk. Thinking about Watchmen, Rorschach is that character in that book and he's the exact opposite. Yeah. Where he comes yeah. at it from a, from a very distinct point of view, a very biased point of view. And that plays into this issue as well with the idea of, you know, the comedian looked at the, the plot of Ozymandias and said, it's all a joke, right? and was still killed for it right it doesn't matter like he still got killed for it and then Rorschach was going to be killed for it because he didn't see it as a joke right yeah and that's sort of running through this book as well where it's like Laura kind of like that that sort of has been at the back of my mind when Laura's explaining like the comedian sees the squids as a joke we don't see it as a joke we see it as an actual threat and we're going to act on it and um like Rorschach would right but there's still yeah. this like, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it like nihilism, right? Because we know how it ends for them, right? Like we know they die, yeah, that kind of thing. And then there's that sort of noir sensibility that we kind of expect this detective to be dead by the end of this series too, right? Yeah. If it yeah. follows noir rules, like double indemnity, um, Sunset Boulevard rules, this guy's dead by the end. So I'm interested to see how they're going to play with that. But yeah, what are your guys' thoughts? Or at least even fall into the madness himself. Yeah. Which would okay. maybe be a fate worse than, than death, like Hust for him. Too. Yeah. Even in Watchmen. So yeah. Figurative death. Yeah. So, I mean, those are really good points because when, when we were first reading this, Noah and I kind of felt like the detective was just sort of a vehicle for us as the reader to sort of move through the story. But as we've, as we've progressed and we've sort of yeah, seen him right. change and stuff like that, um, he's definitely taken on more. And, you know, each issue we, we're, uh, we're filled with more dread. And we talked about in Strange Adventures where we're filled with, with, a, lot of, with a lot of dread and we're sort of seeing it. And, uh, you know, looking at the cover reveals for, for previous issues, you brought this up, you know, how well they're designed. Each one sort of is making us dread it even more, just sort of looking at the cover, knowing in a month out, you know, there's the one where he's sort of lifting up his shirt and like his, yeah. his midsection is all like, you know, the Rorschach uh, test in there. So we're just sort of along for the ride and, you know, following along. And he's much more than just sort of a vehicle to, to move us through the story now. Now we're sort of, uh, you know, invested in him and, and worried about him. And even though we have some thoughts about what might happen to him, it is just a sense of dread that's just building. Yeah, I definitely feel a little more, like, I, I, I guess a good word, I'm sorry, I was using like nihilism in the last thought I had, but I think it's more like fatalism, right? Where we sort of feel like just this, like, again, you just sort of, that's been growing this whole time is this sort of like uh yeah like like matt said this dread building up and i love i, I don't know it's kind of a cool it's sort of what, what i like about this book too is that it's consistently that tone throughout the all nine issues so far so it's kind of nice to pick up this book and know like that's what you're getting you know each time and uh so like there's this sense of dread growing but there's like such a commitment to this tone and i, I love it for that reason 
Yeah. So, you know, as we progress, the sort of the, the detective is there, um, sort of like uh, one of his big key moments is he notices that the, the carpeting and the, the floor is different. Um, and he pulls that up. Um, he sees bloodstains on the floor, which then sort of leads him, uh, you know, further out to discover that there's a there's a there's a body in the well. Um, he goes down and he gets that. So what do you guys think about the, the, the pieces that he's putting together to sort of find more, more evidence in this case? I like the, uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, Gideon Falls. I guess like the cover sort of reminded me of Gideon Falls, right? Oh, so yeah. like I got like a very Gideon Falls vibe from it. But then like the body, the body in the well almost was like, it's kind of like in, uh, like I've not watched much of like uh, Twin Peaks, but it's kind of like what I've watched of Twin Peaks. Like you kind of almost like need those moments of like genre relief in order to deal with the weirdness at times. So where it's like, oh, okay, like now they're doing real detective work. I can finally rely on something <laughs> that I'm familiar with, right? That That's sort of a weird comparison right here, but like that reveal that it's like there's a dead body underneath the building. It's finally like, oh, this is something familiar to this kind of crime story. So there's kind of like uh, an easing you into the big twist, if that makes sense. Um, sort of like uh, like a, like, uh, I don't know. D does that make sense to you, Matt? Like, I guess sort of like a comfort in genre to be like, like then it like eases you into the weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. And actually that was a really good point. And uh, we, we talked about the, the the covers, but the fact that sort of, you know, the the red leading under the under the house and sort of the the circulatory system uh to somebody being down there again it's just sort of that great overall de design element um jonathan your thoughts on sort of the detective putting some of the these clues together you know the the carpet not matching finding the blood stains um and sort of progressing his investigation along Sorry, guys. I'm having a terrible time with my internet today. Oh, it's fine. Oh, no worries. Um, Can you we, hear me? Yeah, yeah. If you ever, if you ever need to log off, just yeah, it's fine. We we understand completely. Oh, yeah. Let me leave and come back in. Okay. Okay. So. Um, no, let's just talk about the fact that again, you know, we we have this sort of world of watchman technology where uh they don't have cell phones like this detective yeah. you know he finds a beeper um that you know he's i guess maybe he goes back through the call log and, and he finds a number and he calls so again it's sort of like the things that this world of watchman uh 2020 allows us to do that like not everybody has like a supercomputer in their pocket to sort of just Google all the answers. Like it still makes this, this detective work challenging and, and, and putting pieces together. Um, so what do you think about just sort of continuing that, that world of Watchmen where, um, you know, we don't have, uh, we don't have cell phones, but we, you know, we have beepers or we're finding numbers where, um, uh, you know, checking the call log. So we're still sort of sticking with that motif, which, you know, is, is great for mystery building because if, again, if everybody had a, a iPhone in their pocket with, with Google, they would be figuring things out in two seconds. Yeah, I think it's cool. And I also think it's the biggest nod to the TV show yet. 
outside of just some like you know references to what happened in Tulsa in the first issue and then like you know references to the cops wearing masks in the in the Midwest and all that this is sort of the biggest thing that affects the plot and addressing sort of the the grander Watchmen world is that yeah after Dr. Manhattan's you know abilities were considered to be deadly that affected the progression of technology and using certain batteries and screens and things like that down the line so I really liked how that was implemented into this world so you get some cool sort of like nods to where the world's at but yeah like you said it's so much more interesting going back to sort of like making it harder for the character to find information you know using a beeper and having to dial a phone in order to get that number and everything that was such a cool obstacle to overcome and it kind of makes me like uh I don't know. It's like, it's like, oh man, if I ever write a mystery, I hope it's in the Watchmen universe. And that way I don't have to worry about people looking up their information on social media and whatnot. <laughs> so, um, but it was, I, I really loved that detail. Um, and it also harkens back to, again to like, you know, old, old fashioned crime stuff that you haven't been able to do since the eighties, the you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I really like that, 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 uh, that nod to the world, but also how it again serves the storytelling and I don't know, adds more obstacles to the plot. I thought that was great. Yeah. Even, even uh, the detective's haircut is old fashioned. You know, yeah. I like that too. It feels of a time and place and that kind of works in its favor. And it's also like the little subtle things that you build in because yeah, it's supposed to take place now. I think we lost them again. Shoot, man, he was in a good, he was getting on a, on a good thread too. Um, but the, yeah, you go ahead, Matt. Uh, no, so, you know, we, we, get, the, we get the call um, and that sort of uh, continues the story. But um, what, did, what did you think about, uh, you know, him, him calling the, the, the number and sort of having this conversation? Thought it was great. And it was like frustrating too, right? You know? It felt like a real, again, another obstacle to overcome that this person's just not giving him the information right away. And he keeps like asking different questions and it's just like roadblock after roadblock and him having to navigate around it. And it's sort of like, as a reader, you're getting frustrated with the detective at just like, who is this, right? You know, like I, I really loved that in the dialogue. I'll have to look at the art because that's what I remember out of the scene is just being frustrated with the detective as to like, why am I not getting an answer? Right. And that's the nine panel, the nine panel page, like the, yeah. the grid. And that was used so well. Like, again, like Tom King's just done a, such a good job at using the nine panels in the right moments at the right time. And this is that page. And it just works great. Um, I like that you sort of see him from every different angle as sort of like quick cuts, like, you know, that kind of thing of just like, I don't know, like it makes you dizzy and it makes you frustrated, like all these different angles. And um, yeah, it feels like you're being spun around with the character as he's just trying to get answers. Mm -hmm. And um, then we finally do get an answer on the last panel, but that still doesn't answer everything, right? Because we're like, wait a minute. Again, we're fighting against that frustration that like, no, the crazy paranoid politician can't be right. You know, like it can't be Robert Redford behind this. It's gotta be something else. So yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, what do you think of that? 
No, I, I think you, I think you put it, uh, you put it really well. You know, we've talked a lot about the, a lot of times these nine panel pages has sort of been people sort of walking through scenes, but this was one where the character pretty much stayed stationary and we kind of walked around him. You know, how many times have you been on a phone with somebody talking and you just like, you know, you're, you're just sort of like pacing just nervously as your, you, your mind's sort of in the conversation and your, your body's doing, you know, the sort of the pacing. So it's almost like we're nervous and we're, we're pacing around him as, as we're listening. Um, I thought that was really well. Uh, I want to check in with Jonathan to see if his, uh, his connection is better. Um, Jonathan, are you able to, to hear us? Nope. No, does not, does not look that way. So um, let's, uh, so, you know, let's, let's just talk about this last page here where we sort of get the, the, re, uh, the conversation with, with Myerson and the kid and um, we sort of get this possible misdirection that Redford's behind all of this. Like, yeah. um, uh, what, what, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about that? And do you think that that's the case or is, it, is this a misdirection? I, I like, I, it sort of like was, sorry, I dropped my book in the middle, middle of my thought there, but the, um, I, I keep thinking that this book can't throw any more wrenches, wrenches in our, like, you know, thought process and how we read this book, but then that comes up and it's just like, oh man, another thing we have to adapt to when we're processing this book is whether or not this is all being orchestrated by Robert Redford. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of where I'm at with it, where it's like, I, I don't know what to predict anymore now. I mean, I do know predict, like I can still predict that like the detective will become Rorschach, but where this story will go, I don't know. Like what, what happens next? Are we actually going to have Robert Redford in this book? You know, like so. is, is, the, is the Sundance kid going to face up against Rorschach? That would be awesome. But do hmm. we need it? I don't know. I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, it's just, it's another, like, again, another twist that um, sort of throws the book in uh, kind of a, not in chaos, but sort of how you read the book in chaos, I guess, is sort of a better way of saying it. Um, yeah, it's so, all about perspective. Yeah. So Jonathan, we're going to, we're going to check in with you again here. So what yeah, are your, I, th I think I'm, I'm thinking my internet is okay right now. We'll okay. see how long it lasts. No it's, worries. Sorry. Sorry. It's been interesting. Um, you know, before you ask your question, one thing I want to go back to that you guys were talking about when it comes to the covers and the solicitation involved, I think that's part of building its mystery. Mm -hmm. I think that's playing. I think Tom King is smart enough to know that that's how comics are, that you know what the next three covers are when you're reading the issue. And I think that's it too. Like we know that there's going to be some sort of descent into madness because of the covers that we've seen. And I think that's purposeful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And then, and it seems to be like with like the issue we reviewed with issue seven, you kind of look at that like in solicitations and you're like, Oh, that's a little abstract. Right. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then it yeah. wasn't until after we read the issue, that's like, Oh, those could be Frank Miller's eyes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, so that's really cool. So like you have the sort of intrigue of the image, but then afterwards the sort of like, oh, that makes sense. Like this issue, right? Like looking yeah. at the cover, you're like, oh, there's a dead body and then branches of a nervous system 
branching off of him underneath this house. You know, it's really cool. It looks like a Rorschach sort of image, right? Because it looks like a Rorschach test, the nervous yeah. system under the house. But then you don't like you get to the end and you realize like what's buried under the house just through a hole, like, you know, it just like blew our minds again. Like what, what what's actually going on? We don't know anymore. It's uh yeah. But that's that's like with the cover for seven. You know, seven, you saw that three months ahead, but you also knew, oh, but there's this recording thing going on with, you mm -hmm. know, the white noise of spirits. So that makes sense why that's a cover. And then when you saw this cover, you had heard about this house. We hadn't seen it yet, but you had heard about it. So it made sense. Okay, that's natural. But then the covers take on a new meaning once you've read the book. Yeah. Kind of like what we talked about last time you were on where the the covers serve the same function in this series as they did in the original Watchmen. Yeah. Where you get the first cover and you open it up and you realize it's the first panel, right? Yeah. And you may not read that on the first time through or like, you know, you have to open the book to figure that out. That's sort of what this book is sort yeah. of operating on the same level with its covers, which I really respect. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like a, a new level of storytelling. Like, you know, if you were reading comics in the 80s and you were going to go to Watchmen, you most likely didn't have previews. You didn't have the internet. So you show up and, and you that's the cover that you see. But with this they're able to play with that sort of three month buildup knowing that, you know, we're going on the internet where we're seeing the, the cover reveals, there's previews, there's a, you know, they, a, a way to sort of tease an image um, three months prior to the story coming out. And then, you know, three months later, you, you open it up and you're like, ah, that's what they were doing there. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting level of, of storytelling you're able to do with this, three month build up, maybe one month build up, uh, depending on how on top of things you are as far as like looking at solicitations. Yeah, but for someone that's gonna pour over every inch of this book, they're gonna be seeing those covers. And I yeah. think, you know, like you said, Tom King, like feels like he made it for dissection. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what makes it uh, so much more compelling that it's it's taking the the Watchmen IP, but doing something very different and very unexpected. With the with the foundation of just a deep love of comics at the end of it, yeah, which yeah. I which is like at the heart of everything in each issue is that you have like a love for Watchmen, obvious, but it always ties it back to a love of comics. Like even in this one, mm -hmm. a key clue is hidden behind a piece of original comic art. Right. Yeah. True. That like we wouldn't find the body if it wasn't for this original art up on the wall. Yeah. And I really love that. And I think that gets to the heart of what was great about Watchmen is that that book is rooted in a love of comics, obviously mm -hmm. from how it was written, but even in the text itself. Well, Tales from the Black Freighter. Tales yeah. from the Black Freighter and the artist himself of that book in the story means something. And having a whole section of the first issue of first part of one of the books being devoted to uh, the alternate Joe Orlando, right? You know, like that's like, it's, it's so cool. And um, yeah, I love it. All right. So um, let's, let's, uh, let's turn our attention to sort of the predictions part of it. You know, this is, this is nine. Uh, so we have three issues to go. I think we're all pretty much in agreement that uh, that the 
things don't look good for the detective, but like, what do you, what else do you think we might, we might see? Um, we're, we have to have some sort of confrontation between um, our resolution between this Redford and Turley issue, right? Do we somehow go back to sort of that convention center early on and, and put clues together? Uh, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts there? You go ahead, Jonathan, if you have any thoughts. Sorry, I think. Oh, I right. think. Oh, we, we got you and then we, we lost you. Are you back? Oh, he's gone again. Oh. Um, so, so what are your, what are your thoughts are, you know, that we have to have this Turley uh, Redford resolution. Um, but uh Jonathan, are are you uh, are you able? Are you back in here? We're, we'll we'll check it with you really quick. No, it looks like he's oh, okay. I'll I'll say my prediction. I guess then I I think next issue we are going back to. I think, I think the next issue is about Robert Redford. I guess and seeing what what his part played. Right. So I think it will like if we if we're following sort of what this book did, like you know end of issue six was like you know hearing this is frank miller right mm -hmm. and then issue seven was we're going to go talk to frank miller i think this one's the same thing you hear the voice of someone associated with robert redford we're going to go talk to someone associated with robert redford or possibly robert redford so you know either looking way at the cover for uh, i'm looking at the cover for for 10 right now okay ah you lose him right when he's going to reveal something. I'll look it up myself. I no, guess. I'm just saying, I think you're right. I think oh. it's just too bad that we didn't know at the more time. Of that blending, it's more of that blending into the Rorschach identity and also. I wonder if it's got like a, all the presidents. It's been the show, guys. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. I wonder, uh, let me look and see. I wonder if it's going to like. The the one thing I think like there's definitely the noir feel in this book, but there's also sort of like the 70s conspiracy theory sort of feel to this as well. And like Robert Redford made like two of the greatest conspiracy theory 70s movies ever. And obviously one's based in real life. We've got like um, all the president's men, which is like dripping with style. Mm -hmm. it's so freaking cool. Like you've never seen Nixon taken down with so much spat panache, you know, that kind of thing. And then you've got like, three days of the condor so like i'm hoping that like there's like a secret reference to that in the next issue i guess like it like some kind of like deep cut robert redford 70s reference um in the next issue uh not in like an overt way where it's like oh only like you know remember three days of the condor kind of thing um i hope it's like only guys who are super nerds for things like that will pick up on it um, so I, I'm predicting hopefully something like that happens. Um, but I am predicting, yeah, of course, just the, the descent of the detective into the Rorschach personality. So it may not be the next issue, but maybe the one after that, he's got to be convinced that the squids are still there and are coming. That's the big prediction. So for me, I think. Okay. I think there's a, um, a mentoring candidate aspect to it too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's into play here too. I think he's using all the noir 
tropes and kind of twisting it into this beautiful new thing. Yeah, and there's also a uh, blowout feel. So like blowout. Yeah. 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 But Matt, what are your predictions? Well, you know, I'm I'm still sticking with my Alan Moore is going to show up in this uh, in this oh, somehow. Yeah. He's not going to be happy. <laughs> he's 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 already not happy. Why not make him even less uh, less happy? Um, I mean, if he if he cared to know, I'm sure some hex will be put on Tom King. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's pretty awesome. Um, uh, so I'm just thinking like. Uh, do we see does somebody mess with the uh the the squids and drop squids uh before this happens because we still have ozzy mendeas's uh layer uh that he can yeah. he can drop the 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 squids from those little portals from the the tv show i don't i don't think so i don't think they're gonna touch any of it. yeah 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 i don't think so yeah, uh, I could. They haven't, other than subtle subtle references to the to the Watchmen miniseries, they haven't really used very many sort of concrete ideas from from that. So I, I, I probably well, would. I also think we're we're building towards the election. Yeah. You know, we've we've seen debates, we've seen conventions. Like I think that's what we're building to. And it's also interesting because Tom King is a DC native to see kind of where that all spins. Yeah, yeah that's that's a good point. He's gonna have a unique, uh, authentic yeah. perspective to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if Matt and I were writing it, since we're so close to DC. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cool. So um, as we close up, um, Jonathan, I know that you have a couple of days on um, a game of doubles. Um, we just want to encourage everybody to, to go out and, and check that out. We're going to have a link to that in the, in the show notes. Um, yeah, you know, check it out, guys. Roughly I mean, we two should... days to, to go, right? Yeah, I guess, I guess by the time this comes out, which will be the Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, the greatest day of the week. Mm -hmm. um we'll be in the real end game there and we end midnight on thursday uh we have a lot of different options it's a pretty cheap entry point to get in our lowest tier is three dollars and you get a digital book you know a digital four page 24 page comic and then in the add-ons all my back stuff my back catalog you know there's the burn residue hardcover in there there is i still have some copies of tales from the dead astronaut i'm just gonna say you probably want those after we blow up because we're coming out by source point in November. Nice. So get that original copy that there's only 200 of. And then uh, Ryan's work is on there, his nomads. We have the trade paperback and we also have digital versions of everything except for tales. Nice. And uh, the, the the hardcover from Burn Residue, do you want to talk about who you got to, to, to do the art there? Oh, well, Rosano Pichoni did the art for that, and he's fantastic. Really dynamic, strong, harsh, really a beautiful, ugly book. And then late in the game, I brought on Rob Jones, who's a fantastic letterer, and he really added a whole other texture to the book that, you know, 
because it's also an Italian book and an Italian production, we had an Italian letter and he was very, he was basic, you know, not in a, a negative way, but just very what you would expect. And then Rob came in, he saw the book, he said, let me try something. And there's just, there's more of a voice that feels all a part of the book now. And that hardcover is going to look beautiful. Yeah. And it's a very, uh, it's a very twisted tale. If, uh, if you, you've it had is. a chance to, to read, read it one, is. you know that you're in for, for some, some darkness there. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be fun because after, after game of doubles, um, you know, probably two to three weeks from now, I'll have something really cool to announce for the next project. Awesome. We look forward to that. Yeah. yeah. That's going to leave. If you thought Willie Boyd was a horrific character, <laughs> wait till you meet the killer. Oh, wow. oh, oh man. <laughs> and if you like the work of Dave McKean, you're going to want to pay attention. Oh man. Nice. Oh, man. Nice. Not him, but it's in that style. Very cool. Very, awesome. Very cool. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give a, a rating and review on the podcasting service you'd use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. And Facebook is Constructing Comics. Also, um, probably tomorrow launching will be Modern Mythology Folklore Retold. And Noah and I have a story in that. It's uh, called Heart of Steel. And it's a take on the uh, John Henry steel driving man um, myth. So um, we'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. But I'd like to thank everybody. I saw for that looks great. Yeah, like no, that. that looks great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Noah did a uh, Noah did a really good job. I think uh, I think Noah and I are sort of carving out our motif where we take old stories and we just put mechs and and guys and, and yeah, spacesuits like in there. I like so. it. It's the right way to do it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, I just like my man versus machine stories. Very true. The, very it's true. One of the best kinds. Oh yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Please be safe. Uh, be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>